also the writers who were part of these brainstorm sessions. And I think that was one of the key things for success. Do you know the secret behind a successful team? In this podcast, dream teams share their powerful collaboration and reveal how they turn today's ideas into tomorrow's solutions. Discover the story of changemakers who share their innovative journey with our host, Travis Shepard. This is Dream Teams. Welcome to episode seven of the Dream Teams podcast. I can't believe it's been seven, but it has. I want to welcome, last time I talked a little bit about what we're going to talk about today, and that's the Koga Kensei bike, award-winning bike, you could say. We'll talk a little bit about how that came about and how you leverage a multidisciplinary team to create the fastest bike in the world, like literally the fastest bike in the world. But before we get into all that, I did want to introduce the two guests that I have today. One is Mark Dorland, the project manager from Koga. Yes. And Arend Schwab from the Technical University at Delft. Hi. Hi. With all of these podcasts, each one of these dream teams, we like to talk about what our favorite dream teams are and how they inspired us, what about them makes them a dream team to us. And I'll start. I, I try and keep on theme on every one of these. So I'm going to think of, I just, I watched this movie a little bit ago and I think this is apropos is uh, Ford versus Ferrari. We need to think like Ferrari. It. it was all about Le Mans. Ferrari was dominating. And then along came Carroll Shelby and the Ford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that was also a multidisciplinary team. It was they were a little bit mavericks. They were a little bit, you know, trying things out that nobody thought would work. They worked with the drivers, all those sort of things, and they ended up winning Le Mans. So, thought that was an apropos dream team. But I also want to hear from from you. So, Arend, I'll I'll start with you. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, it was totally new for me this uh, this approach. One day, I got a call from uh, from uh, uh, Koga from Mark, yeah. and uh, about yeah, we want to build a new bike for the for the track cycling. And uh, and I thought, okay, a new bike. Why a new bike? And they said, well, because we want a new bike. And, <laughs> Seems like a good enough. Uh, and there reason. was oh, <laughs> there was no well in science. You'd usually have a reason, like because, and then a whole array of, of problems comes arise. But actually, the whole the, the answer was, we want a new bike. And then uh, Mark uh, explained that uh, it was a team he, he brought together, and, and now it sounded interesting. Every tea, every members with their own specialty, and so coming together. So that would you say your dream team was the team that you just worked on, or worked absolutely? On with this bike? It was on a, one of the most beautiful projects I had in the past. Absolutely, that's a, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a great answer. How about you, Mark? What, what would you be a dream team that inspired you? Uh, well, it's a little same. bit aligned with uh, Aaron's story, but uh, I, I would say the the track team itself, uh, the three guys, four guys actually, who did the Olympics, who did the World Championships. It's a, a sport where you can win on milliseconds and uh, you have to trust each other really and you have to have faith in that uh, one small mistake can mean the end uh, for your Olympic dream or your, or your World Title dream and they managed to, to bring everything together and uh, be at their top at the finest moment and uh, I think this is really uh, amazing for, for, for a team. Definitely inspirational. Yeah. Definitely. Milliseconds between victory and not victory. Exactly. I've seen a world championship once where between the third and the fourth place, it was only four thousandths of a second. So this can be the difference between a medal or not in, in this sport. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really amazing. And for this project specifically for Koga Kensei, 
you chose a, a multidisciplinary team to approach it and, and attack this problem. Uh, why was that so important to you? Well, very often when you see a nice story of a new bicycle, they say, oh, this is the most aerodynamic bicycle or this is the, light, the, bi- the lightest bicycle or whatever. Yeah. But in the end, it's it's about different factors that have to come together. Aerodynamics, driving behavior, the, the weight. And uh, for all these different aspects, you have specialists who can bring in their best knowledge to make this the best bike. And you have to find some kind of sweet spot in between all these parameters. And when you find this for this specific sport, then you have the best bicycle. So it doesn't have to be the most aerodynamic bicycle or the lightest bicycle, but together it should be the best bicycle. And that's why we needed all these different uh, disciplines. It's a combination of many, many factors. Exactly. Yeah. And where was this team from? Where where did they all come from? Well, we approached uh, several parties in the beginning and uh, TU Delft was one of them, but we also used with, uh, used to work with uh, ActiFlow, which is specialized in aerodynamics. Uh, we used to work with uh, Pontus Engineering, who are really specialists in uh, composite structures. And uh, well, together we, we formed a good team from Koga. We brought in the bicycle knowledge, of course. And then we had the riders who really had to, well, could tell us uh, how they felt on the bicycle and uh, what should change. So, yeah, these five parties together uh, built this project. I, the, the aspect of the riders we'll get to it in a few moments, because there were some... There's some pushback there initially, but yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. And Arin, your background isn't in bicycle engineering or technology. How did you get into this? Well, um, so my background is I'm an engineer. Uh, I'm in theoretical and applied mechanics. And then some 20 years ago, I had a sabbatical year in the US at Cornell University. And uh, I had to babysit my host because he was making an NSF proposal. <laughs> and I said, okay, uh, Andy, what shall I do? And he said, well, actually, we have some nice research on, on bicycle dynamics and control, which has contradictory results with the literature. And since you're from Holland, we, you know about bikes, uh, <laughs> it's a uh, fit for you. I said, well, I can ride a bike, but I never gave it any thought about the dynamics and control. And, and then when I dug into that, it, it was a, a can of worms, actually. So it was super interesting. And coming back at Delft, uh, I started the bike lab. And, uh, well, that's where we are now today. Yeah. By now, he's known as the bicycle professor. So. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there I like that. From just a random question in the U.S. to now being the bike professor. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Reaching outside, getting yeah. outside in normal normal yeah. box for sure. Yeah. At When you first got on this project, too, how were some of those first sessions? What did the, how was that, that experience? It was amazing. So uh, usually when, when they, you, you start to build a new bike, it's immediately focused on the bike and on details and parts. But this was not the case here. There were brainstorm sessions and we were sitting together and we were trying to get the, with the most craziest ideas, what should that new bike look like? And those sessions uh, took a lot of time, but the time was well spent because crazy ideas came on the table and finally we merged to what the bike is now, eh? the, the, the successful bike. Wow. And, and that's what I liked a lot. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's something that we work with a lot in, in some of the programs we occur is work from a wealth of ideas. Yeah. And then you can find themes. You can yeah. find, what, was one of the, what was one of the craziest ideas that somebody threw out that, that even you were like, wow, we're going crazy, but that's a bit... I think Mark can enlighten on that better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it came from uh, Aaron or one of his colleagues that they wanted to build a bike without a steerer. So like no handlebars, nothing? No ha- well, there was a handlebar, but it was fixed on the bicycle, so you could not uh, could not move it. 
And we actually did some experience with it, and uh, it works actually. So uh, does it really? yeah, it does okay. actually work. Absolutely. Uh, wow. did, didn't show, of, uh, uh, unfortunately, yet the the results we thought it would give uh, the advantages. But uh, it was interesting to to see how that it worked. And uh, I'd love to see how that would have worked. Yeah. But that that's really interesting. That that's an idea that's definitely yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, and Arend, one of the this is one of the first track bikes where the track cyclist, and I'll, I'm gonna try and do this right. Get bike fit. Yes, yeah. So the basic idea was this, like a, lo- a lot of people in cycling focus on, on the losses. They they think, oh yeah, the bike should be super aerodynamic and super uh, lightweight and, and, and small and, and all those things. But when we first looked at the riders uh, on their bike, the thir- first thing we noticed was, hey, they don't fit the bike. <laughs> I mean, elbows were touching knees and, and, and so to us that looked a bit strange. And then from, a, from a, an engineering point of view, we thought, well, you have input and output. Uh, 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 you have losses and you, you have uh, p- uh, p- power you put in and power you lose. And mostly it was focused on power you lose by aerodynamics and by friction and so on. Uh, but we also have to look at the input power. Uh, is the rider in a good position to perform at its best? And that's what we, 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 we uh, that was our approach actually in this case. That so we say, okay, let's, let's fit the, the bike around the rider, like, like you put on your pants. It seems so intuitive, but it doesn't sound like that is the standard. Well, we had some trouble there because <laughs> <laughs> when, when you looked at the final design, the, I think the first reaction of the riders was, ooh. The bike is very big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust, trust me. I, I, I'm a doctor. It, it's okay. <laughs> it will work. Your doctor bike. I mean, yeah. they should trust you, right? Yeah, at that point. Me. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like this is a very standard process to ask the riders what they want or how they they want the bike to look or feel. Talk to me a little bit about that process. How you? No, quite often the uh, in, the, in the bicycle world, uh, we develop a new bicycle and say, okay, this is the best product for you. Yeah. Go Enjoy. ride with it. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it. But especially in this project, uh, we try to turn it around and uh, involve uh, the riders and the, and the, and the staff uh, from the start. And this also had to do with the, the history. We have a long history in track cycling, but uh, yeah, in the, in the years before uh, Tokyo, so uh, during the, the, the Rio de Janeiro uh, Olympics, the relationship with Koga and, and the riders was a little bit rough because uh, from both sides, we, uh, well, we didn't give enough attention, I think. So... Next to the fact that we wanted to involve the riders uh, so they could contribute at most, we also wanted to create a real team, sp- team spirit from the start of the project. And that's also why we involved uh, the riders very early and continuously during the project. And that was one of the things which I liked so much in this project, that also the riders were, t- were part of this whole bra- of these brainstorm sessions. And, and, and I think that was one of the key, key things for success, that from the beginning on, these riders were involved in the design process. And that made them feel like, oh, it's my bike. It's my design. It's the best. Yeah, it was also very cool to see that uh, at the beginning, there were only a few guys and girls yeah. uh, at the table. And after the third or the fourth meeting, well, the whole room was full with people <laughs> who all want to be involved in the project. From as well the, the engineering firms and from the TU Delft, but also many riders and staff people. Did you have to and throw anybody out? Was there uh, like, almost? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty crowded. Yeah. Wow. So that's a lot of passion and a lot of interest in in this. That yeah, that's yeah pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It grew during the project, and uh, yeah, everybody felt it, and that also made that everybody wanted to get the best out of the project, and uh, maybe spend a new an hour extra every now and then. And then uh, amazing, that much passion, but. 
for you as a project manager, that's also kind of a challenge because you've got a lot of inputs, you've got a lot of feedback, you've got a lot of things happening. Exactly. And uh, of course, in the end, the Olympics don't change their, their starting dates. Okay, this year <laughs> it did because of COVID, but uh, normally yeah, we, in 2020, we should have had the bike uh, finished. So there was a clear deadline. We have to meet it. So sometimes you also have to say, okay, okay. <laughs> a lot of enthusiasm, but now we have to <laughs> deliver this or this and uh, we park this for maybe the Paris Olympics or whatever. So you have to make choices also and decisions in a project. And is that, would you say that was one of the biggest challenges of this project? Uh, yeah, that was a continuous challenge, but uh, in the end, I think we made a, a perfect uh, balance between uh, really new things and uh, things that we say, okay, it's an interesting idea, but uh, we have to move on and make sure that the bike is finished. Yeah, <laughs> At some point, somebody's got to ride it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so we have this, uh, what we call a community of solvers mm-hmm. here, and it's and, and it's the same approach, right? It's the same theme, is how do we get the best out of all our people? How do we bring in perspectives and experiences and all those things to look at things from lots of different angles and find a solution that fits a lot of different things? Yeah. What would be your advice for those multi, multidisciplinary teams, those multiple perspectives? What would be a key advice to, to those people? Yeah, having a very clear goal where you all want to go for. Like uh, a deadline. Yeah, well, no, no, not really a deadline. A deadline is always there, but uh, more like a visionary goal yeah. for what, what, what you, do you want to achieve with the project and yeah. why do you want to achieve it? Why is it important? Yeah, yeah. why it is important. Uh, and that's in particular what I like so much about this. Uh, usually as an engineer, you, you de- design a machine or something or whatever. But in this case, you were going for a gold medal. And... I mean, a gold medal is something you cannot buy, right? No, right <laughs> it's only right. you can win that. So that made the goal so so sort of magical. This is Dream Teams. A gold medal is a magical goal, as, yep. as we heard. But that's not always applicable to a lot of companies. What's some advice that you could give them to set their own goal, their own gold medal? Yeah, of course, not uh, every project has a, has a goal like a gold medal. That's, that, uh, that makes sense. but. Uh, in the end, every project has a goal and make it big, make it shine, uh, what the goal is and make it living for everybody. And then together you can work for it. That's the, the thing you can learn from this project, I guess. Yeah, really- my key learning was that you can, can bring, you, you, as a nerdy, you can work on such a project, <laughs> but the, uh, you need different nerdies and you, need, you really need this project manager, which every time steps back and says, hey, hello guys. Uh, well, uh, where do we come from? Where are we now? Where are we going? Uh, we have to make decisions now. Wrangle so, the, uh, like a nerdy exactly. wrangler. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you calling exactly. me a, a nerdy wrangler now? <laughs> I think that's, I think that's yeah. what you said, right? Yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, well, I think that's it. Yep. Good luck with the, the next round of bikes. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to be involved in the next round? Or are you? I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm sitting next to the phone. So. Excellent. All right. <laughs> we know how to find you out. Yeah, exactly. Yes, don't, thank don't, you. don't forget Dr. Bike. Don't forget Dr. Bike. <laughs> next time on Dream Teams. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And wherever you consume your podcasts and all the various channels and, and formats that, that you enjoy. Uh, next week, I'm going to be talking to another team from PwC who worked on the derivatives project. If you don't know what that means and you're curious, then definitely tune in next time. PwC shares a passionate community of solvers, creating new solutions for a new day. That's the new equation. That's the new equation. If you have thoughts or ideas, please share them with us. <laughs>